Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm so glad you decided to join us. We're getting into real fall, aren't we? We're starting to see some color on the trees. Let's see at the house, the uh, red maples are looking great. Um, They're kind of the first ones to get going. You know, they really do usher in spring because they bloom early, and then they uh, usher in fall or autumn because they get their fall color going pretty quickly. Uh, Let's see, tulip poplars, you know, they're very tall, straight trees, great native plant, Um, huge tree. You may not see many of them in neighborhoods, but you do see them in the woods and along the roads, and they're starting to turn yellow. Sometimes they drop their leaves really early, but this year they've been holding on to them pretty good, and it's a decent fall color. Oh, you know, I've talked about the terrible Bradford pears we have at the house I'm slowly getting rid of them one at a time, (laughs) but the ones that are left, they are getting some nice burgundy, that reddish fall color, and they're looking good. I don't know. Oaks are dragging this week. We'll see. That's fine, though, because we're really just starting to see that cool weather, cold weather. As a matter of fact, um, just this week, we woke up one morning. My wife said, you know, tomorrow night we are going to turn the heat on (laughs) because it was cold waking up. Oh, but it's a good change. It's a good change, and it's a, a change to remind us that uh, just like just like our plants slow down and take a rest, maybe we need to, too. But there's plenty to do in the landscape. There's always something to do. And speaking of colder days, that kind of inspired today's show topic. We're going to talk about a tropical winter oasis. Tropical winter oasis. So when we get into wintertime, you may have a place to escape to that even though it's cold outside, you still have plants that look like the tropics or tropical-like. Now, you know that tropical plants can't handle our cold winters. They love our summers just fine. So many true tropical plants uh, we call houseplants. We may put them in pots and containers, set them on the patio or on the deck during the summer, but then bring them in as soon as our nights start dropping. And if you have truly tropical plants in containers, you ought to bring them indoors. Now, other tropical plants that we use in the landscape are like annual plants, you know, those petunias and the begonias and the marigolds. All these things really cannot handle our winter weather. I kind of group these plants loosely as tropical plants. Not all of them may be from tropical areas, but they're from areas that don't get as much cold as we do. So it is important when you're planning your, uh, your landscape to know the plants that can handle your winter weather. Things that uh, do not handle winter weather, they'll have to be replanted year after year, which is why we have to replant petunias and we have to replant begonias because it gets too cold. It gets too cold. But, you know, that's okay because it ushers in a new season with a new group of plants like pansies, violas, snapdragons. I think next week we'll talk a little bit more about some other winter annuals you can use. But uh, the, the reason I want to talk about a tropical winter oasis, creating a space that is tropical-like 
but has plants that is com- that are completely hardy to our zone. Uh, the reason I want to talk about this is because my cousin um, and his wife, they love to go to tropical places. They love to travel. And so they go to Aruba. They go on uh, Caribbean cruises and stop at all the little islands in the Caribbean. And when they come back, of course, you know, maybe they go in the wintertime. They come back. It's cold. There's not many leaves on the trees. It doesn't feel like that tropical oasis that they uh, traveled to and, and vacationed at. And the other uh, se- several months ago now, I guess, we, uh, he has built a new house and helping them with their landscape. And there's this little, I call it a courtyard area between their garage, which is detached, but it's connected with a breezeway to the house. And this nice courtyard area, uh, when he showed it to me, I, I, I said, you know, you could build an Aruba garden here. He said, what do you mean an Aruba garden? I said, well, you know, uh, the two of y'all like to travel to these tropical places and you could create a place, a space that feels like the tropics, even though the plants you use are not tropical uh, and, and, and the space they're growing in is a uh, temperate climate. And he said, oh, that's a good idea. And so every time I've talked to him since and he, we bring up the landscape, he always uses the term the Aruba Garden, even though right now it's just a a flat, grassy area that he's mowing. (laughs) He calls it the Aruba Garden because eventually they're going to get to that. And I think I've inspired them to create this tropical oasis situated between their garage and their house. That's perfect for a little patio, maybe a walkway to get to the backyard uh, and fill it with plants that remind them of the tropics. But everything that is will be planted there, of course, is completely hardy, and again, hardy is that term that we use to describe plants that can handle our coldest winters. Now, hardy is a relative term. The plants that are hardy to your zone may not be hardy to someone else's zone, say, growing in Wisconsin, all right? Down here in the south, at least our area, we're in the seven zone, hardiness zone seven, and hardiness zone eight. That's about where we fall here in the Piedmont, and you go further north, we may be in the six. But you go way up to, to the northern part of our country, and you find Wisconsin's in three and four. As a matter of fact, in Wisconsin, they cannot grow crepe myrtle um, trees like we do. Now, they may be able to grow crepe myrtle, but it will die to the ground every year. And that goes the same for, say, the big leaf hydrangea. You know, the big pink and white mop head style hydrangeas, they get killed to the ground. And so they grow back up, but their blooms have been killed in the process of that cold winter. So there is definitely a relativity to our hardiness zone and that word hardy. So we're going to talk about plants that are hardy here in the southeast. And of course, if you are listening to the program online, maybe at NewSouthernGarden.com or on your favorite podcasting app, and you find yourself north of zone seven uh, and and eight, then you may want to check on some of the hardiness to uh, some of these plants we talk about today. But the fact that we're going to talk about creating a tropical winter oasis uh, was a little tougher than just creating a tropical light garden at your house because everything we talk about today will be attractive over winter. As a matter of fact, I've had to, it's a short list, but I've had to comb through uh, certain plants that would give you that tropical feel 
but stays particularly evergreen. Some of these may bloom in the winter, and that's wonderful as well. Um, so with that being said, of course, uh, we've got a number of plants that you may already be using in your landscape. Uh, we have talked about creating tropical-ish gardens before. You can find that episode online or that show at uh, newsoutherngarden.com. Uh, but this one is a little bit different because, again, every plant we talk about today is particularly evergreen and, of course, is going to provide some kind of attraction over winter. They'll definitely look good for the entire year, uh, but all of these are going to look great, particularly over winter, when the rest of your landscape uh, may not have many leaves or whatnot. Now, the idea behind creating a space that looks tropical, but the plants uh, that we grow there are going to last in our zone. The idea here comes from really the essence of horticulture or the essence of gardening. Uh, I, I think I've shared this with you before, but when I was in the university, our professor asked us, what's the point of gardening? And there were a lot of answers, you know, this and that. And, and nobody said what he wanted us to say, which was to create a sense of place. And whether you are trying to create a sense of tropical place or a sense of uh, your own place that's never been created before, never been seen before, the idea is that no matter what plants you use, uh, you're, you are creating a place that is unique and different uh, and essentially a place that nobody's ever been to. Maybe you travel not to the tropical areas, but maybe you travel to, uh, to Italy and, and southern France and you want that Mediterranean feel. Well, guess what? You can bring that home with you by using plants that are appropriate for your zone, but mimic the look that the Mediterranean gives you. And so we will be doing that today with tropical plants, not tropical plants, but plants that give you that sense of a tropical space. None of these plants are tropical, but when you combine them, use them together, you can create a new and unique place. And so I guess this show is going to be definitely for my cousin. Hopefully he'll uh, listen in and get some ideas. Uh, but I hope that it inspires you, whether you care for that tropical look or not, it inspires you to think more about your place and creating a sense of a particular place somewhere that you've maybe been to or somewhere that only, that only rests inside of your head. So with that being said, let's talk about the idea of creating a tropical light garden in the Southeast. First of all, we've got to think about the, the uh, particular characteristics that we find in the tropical plant world. Uh, think of some of your houseplants. We have Schefflera, very large leaves. Uh, we have some ferns, you know, some very tender ferns that can't live outside but can live in the uh, indoors and being protected over winter. Ferns have very small leaves. So using plants with big leaves and small leaves is going to be uh, very critical. And then, of course, we need, uh, so, so that's a textural thing, little leaves and big leaves. Uh, the color, of course, is green. The main color is green. There's probably plenty of yellows. When we traveled to Hawaii uh, a couple of years ago now for a wedding, I remember seeing some of the house plants that I've only seen in a pot growing wild outside in their woodlands or in those tropical forests. And I remember seeing some of the pothos, these huge leaves. They 
quite tiny here in the south. And some of the philodendrons that climb trees, well, they're growing out there wild on their own. And some of those had some nice variegation. We had some uh, some flecks of yellow in there. So thinking about color, maybe uh, colors of greens, dark greens, lime greens, medium greens, maybe even chartreuse or very almost yellow. I've got some uh, some plants that fit the bill there. So using a variety of lush greenness is going to help. And then if we're so lucky to find a plant that uh, is evergreen for this tropical winter oasis and it blooms, then that's a plus because there are definitely going to be blooms out in these tropical areas. Uh, Let's see, another story about my travels. About 13 years ago, we traveled to Venezuela. And down there, I saw for the first time a plant in its natural habitat that only up here we grow in pots, and that is, or in the ground, but only over summer, and that was the impatient, the impatient. Now, that plant is, you know, sort of overlooked, but I remember seeing uh, certain flowers that I recognized growing along the ground under this, actually, it was a coffee plantation, and so it was shaded coffee, so we're under tall trees and then you've got the understory uh, coffee trees. But then under that, right along the ground, growing amongst ferns and other things that I've really never seen before because they don't grow up here. But there was these wild impatience. And I thought, wow, that plant that my grandmother even planted in pots and containers over summer it grows somewhere naturally in the world. And so looking for some things that bloom and maybe even creep and crawl along the ground, that was another thing that I've noticed. Kind of like in our woodlands, you know, we have a very low, very uh, ground-hugging plants under tall canopies and trees, and that is the case in uh, in these tropical areas. So we're going to try to hit on all of these things, some tall things to give us that um, high canopy, and then we're going to talk about some medium things that grow uh, maybe above our head, but not as tall as a tree, some shrubby things. And then we'll talk about some very low plants that creep and crawl even. And of course, some of these are going to be bloomers. And because we're talking about tropical winter oasis, uh, some of these plants will be blooming soon. And some of these plants will be blooming uh, at the end of winter. So you definitely can generate a very unique garden by thinking about combining some of, some of these will be some of your favorite plants that you already probably have some of, and then maybe incorporating some new things. So these plants are all going to be evergreen plants. We're going to be looking for those characteristics. We're going to be looking for big leaves on some plants, little leaves on other plants, maybe some blossoms on some. Of course, we're looking for the height and we're looking for low growing plants. Some of these plants are going to creep and crawl. And uh, as you put these parts and pieces together, I think you'll quickly find that we are truly creating a tropical feeling garden right in the middle of Northeast Georgia. And it's going to last all winter and for many winters to come. Well, gang, when we get back, we'll talk about some of these tropical-looking plants <laughs> that aren't tropical at all and building your winter oasis. Hang on tight. Hey, gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share 
whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. So, gang, this morning on New Southern Garden, we are talking about a creating a tropical winter oasis. Now, I use this tropical term loosely because we're not talking about true tropical plants. We are talking about plants that are completely hardy and can handle our coldest temperatures, unlike truly tropical plants. And also, we're really well. What we're really looking at is creating a space with plants that look tropical so we're going to create a space that even here uh, when we have you know decently cold winters not as cold as our gardening friends way up north uh, but still despite the cold winter chill and the cold weather we get we can have a space that might look and feel create an atmosphere of a tropical oasis so the first thing we want to do of course in tropical zones is much like our own there is usually tall trees. There's trees that are up high and things that give you height and, of course, provide shade for other plants that may be growing very low down below. So one of the first things we look for with tropical things, (laughs) that tropical feel, are palms. Now, in the south, parts of the south, you know, you go way down into Florida or really north florida you can grow plenty of palms and parts of south georgia Uh, but as you get to the north part of georgia it gets too cold for many palms Uh, but there is one that is very hardy there is the windmill palm and we've talked about this before it's probably the only palm that i'm going to recommend to you if we if you do have a decently uh, cold winter but the windmill palm is so hardy that it can grow into parts of canada probably more like the coastal side, but still, um, it is one of the hardiest palm trees. And they have a broad fan-like, uh, fan-like leaf. It's round. It's not long and linear and hangs down. They sort of go right up into the sky. And of course, they have that classic palm tree bark, uh, where of course, year after year, as they're growing, you're cutting away those uh those leaves and you're building that that stacked look with those uh, leaf stems just sliding up the uh, up up the trunk and of course you got such a little fuzzy look to it as well and so it's truly a real palm and it is going to give you uh, that tropical look now of course um, they grow about uh, a foot a year so depending on how big of a plant you need uh, you may be considering and thinking about you know um, if I don't if I need a tree that's going to be bigger sooner I may need to buy a bigger tree and that just of course increases the cost of the plant but still it's worth it even if you find a small windmill palm go ahead and get it uh, get it planted in the ground and feed it well and of course uh, 
you'll get about a foot of growth a year. So 20 years, you'll have a, if it started at a foot, you'll have about a 20 foot tall palm. But that's where we start with the trees to give us that tropical feel like you're on a sandy beach somewhere maybe. Uh, but then of course, if you think about, um, well, this next tree, uh, when I say this, you're not going to think it's tropical at all, but I will make a case for why it gives you that tropical look. And that is the Southern Magnolia. Now, Southern Magnolia has very large leaves and shiny leaves. Now, this is quite characteristic of many tropical plants. I think about the rubber plant or the rubber tree. That plant, of course, we bring in, it has about the same size leaf. They probably get a little bit larger than a Southern Magnolia, but very big, very broad. And of course, Southern Magnolia is evergreen, so it's going to look good all winter long. Now, I like to see Southern Magnolias touching the ground, but probably if you were creating a space, uh, maybe with a patio, and all, you may want to limb that tree up as it grows so you can plant other tropical-like plants underneath it so that you have um, cast some shade onto the garden floor. But even in the summertime, when Southern Magnolia blooms, I think it could be nearly a tropical-feeling plant because it has very large blossoms. And not only are those blossoms very large, they're that creamy white ivory color, but they smell very good too, at least to me. Not everything in the landscape that smells good to me smells good to everybody, but it does have a pleasing aroma, and of course, it would be welcome in the, the heat of the summertime. So Southern Magnolia, to me, it reminds me, when I was in Hawaii uh, traveling, that we went to the zoo in Honolulu, and near the front entrance of the zoo was this huge tree. I'm talking you can walk through the middle of it. Uh, this is the banyan tree. They do these strange things where they drop these root-like structures, and they, they propagate themselves by creating essentially new trees along their branches. Very cool tree. I believe it's a ficus. But regardless, that look reminds me just a bit of Southern Magnolia. I mean, if there's a plant that we grow here that reminds you of Banyan Tree, uh, it would probably be Southern Magnolia. So I think that I, I hope I made a case for Southern Magnolia. It's not just a great stately uh, Southern plant, but it does have that tropical look, you know? And then, of course, as we move down a uh, little lower to the ground, we're looking for those understory plants. Let's talk about a few shrubs here that fit into this category. Um, I do want to remind you that even though we're talking about just evergreen plants today, that there's surely a case to bring in other plants that aren't evergreen. And you can check out our, I believe it was titled Creating a Tropical-ish Garden. Uh, you can find that online at NewSouthernGarden.com where we talk about a lot of deciduous things that uh, even though they may look sort of tropical. They come back year after year. So talking about shrubs to go underneath these tropical-like trees, one of the first things that comes to mind is Fatsia. Now, we've talked about Fatsia japonica on the show before. There's really no other name that I can think of for it, but uh, Fatsia is what it's well known as. has these big palm-shaped leaves, huge palm-shaped leaves, and evergreen. Uh, sometimes this is used as a houseplant because it can handle low light, so it grows under trees well. Um, there's a standard green color. It's sort of a bright green, a happy green, not really yellow or lime, but just a happy green uh, version. That's the, the, the standard version. But then there's one that I love called spider's web. 
spider's web fatsia japonica and that one has a nice white variegation so if you find that one to use in your winter tropical oasis then you will have some nice color from the foliage uh, all winter long so be on the lookout for fatsia it's a large plant uh, if you're not using it necessarily in a tropical looking garden you can use it in your landscape it gets large uh, some of them of course standard could be over eight feet tall and maybe just as wide uh, but then the variegated form is about maybe half that size, maybe up to five feet each way. Now, how about a plant that you probably have in your backyard, your front yard, your side yard, maybe anywhere around your landscape, and that is gardenia, the gardenias. Now, gardenia jasminoides is its botanical name, but we like we love it because of those summer blossoms, those white, rosy-like summer blossoms that are super fragrant. But of course, we like it because it's evergreen. But I include gardenia as a plant you can use for tropical looking spaces because it's got a big leaf and very shiny and just looking at that plant on its own you probably could imagine seeing it in a very tropical place but of course it's very hardy here we did have a little trouble with our gardenias over this past winter uh, when we had that december single single degree freeze Uh, but many of them that were established came right back. Mine did in my garden. I just trimmed them back, fertilized them, and they came right back up. Of course, there's gardenias of all sizes. Some of them could be 12 foot tall. Some of them could be half that size, and some of them can creep on the ground like the radicans gardenia that is a creeping, crawling, almost a ground cover. So think about using gardenia. Now, also, you may have in your landscape a plant called distillium. And if you don't, I'd recommend for you to check it out whether you need a tropical feel or not because distillium is a great evergreen plant that has an uh, unusual form. It is almost weeping for a shrub, but it's very wide. It's quite a broad plant, and in many cases, it gets wider than it gets tall. Uh, some of the standards can climb quite tall, but you can find a distillium called vintage jade, which is maybe five feet tall, five feet wide. And then, of course, there's a variety of new versions of distillium. There's one called cinnamon girl, which may be three to four feet wide and three to four feet tall but regardless the distillium is a dark green but it's bluish so that adds a whole nother color and other than being evergreen and looking good all winter one other thing it will do in late winter early spring is it will bloom nearly a small fluffy red bloom right up and down the stem looks kind of tropical so when we get back from this break gang we'll talk even more winter uh, winter oasis tropical winter oasis creating a space special place in your landscape to keep you warm all winter. Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about creating a tropical, tropical-ish, I guess, winter oasis. Because the idea, uh, whether you like a tropical-looking garden or not, 
The whole idea is to inspire you to, when you're designing a space, when you're creating a new bed even, to intentionally create a sense of place that that garden, that that area, that that one bed is a place, a unique place that maybe you have been to before. And, you know, maybe you uh, travel out to the Midwest and you love those rolling prairies and meadows. Well, you know, here in our temperate area, we don't have a lot of natural meadows, really. There's there's some, but we have a lot of trees because we're that um, nearly semi-tropical environment. Uh, but you can create a meadow here and, and you can grow a, a, essentially a small prairie in your backyard. And by doing that, you're creating a sense of place, a, a place that maybe doesn't quite look like our natural area, but still, that's the point of gardening. And I want to inspire you today to no matter what kind of atmosphere you want your space to feel like, to make sure that you're intentionally trying to create a sense of place. And like I said before, it could be a place that only exists in your head. And that is the true true art to gardening, is creating something uh, that then other people can enjoy. If your ideas only stay in your head, only you can enjoy them. But if you put them out in the landscape, your visitors, your family, your friends, your neighbors, they can enjoy them too. So before the break, we were talking about some shrubs that give you that tropical feel. Talking about shrubs that look like tropics, but actually can handle our winters without batting an eye. We talked about fatsia and yes, gardenia, and I left off with distillium. I just wanted to mention that the distillium's branch has is almost feather-like. The leaves come off of the branch like much like a feather. We call it pinnate. And so with that being said, that gives you a different kind of texture. Uh, some of them have large leaves, some of them have small leaves, but regardless, they look really good beside plants with really big leaves like fatsia and gardenia. Now another plant that um, is not necessarily tropical, not, to, not for us, we can grow it here and it's done so, so for hundreds of years, that's the camellia. Now camellia again has a dark green leaf, quite shiny, so it's going to fit into our parameters for today's show. And of course, they have large blooms. And I was hoping to get to a plant that has large blooms because I think having large blooms in a space can help you create that tropical look. Of course, uh, I had to choose camellia because it is a winter bloomer. And since we're talking about a tropical winter oasis, we needed to have some camellia in this space. Uh, so with that in mind, there are two main groups of camellias that we use. There's some hybrids between these, but the two main camellias we use, of course, are the Camellia sasanqua, which has a smaller leaf. It can handle a lot of sun, but it can also grow in the shade underneath other trees. And of course, it uh, blooms before Christmas. Now, the other group of camellia is known as Camellia japonica or the Japanese camellia. It has a bigger leaf than the Sasanqua camellias, and it has a much bigger blossom than Sasanqua. Um, they both are quite large plants. Some of them can reach 14 feet tall, maybe more. So pruning them is not a problem. You just need to make sure you're pruning your camellia if you want to start it over and get it more compact and back to size and manageable. Be sure to prune them heavily in the late part of winter or early spring right before the new leaves start unfurling. So camellia, you know it, I know it. They come in a, sh a variety of colors as far as their blooms go. We've got whites, we've got pinks, we've got reds mainly. Uh, some people are touting purple camellias and they're really so red that they do look a bit 
purple or magenta-like. But with that being said, don't forget about camellias being included in this tropical feeling space. Uh, If you don't like the tropical feeling space, do include camellias in your landscape somewhere. They do make a decent plant for the corner of a house because they get so tall. We want to make sure we plant it off the house, uh, depending on the variety, probably at least six feet, maybe more. Give it some room to get girthy, and of course, give it some uh, room off of the house so the the, uh, stems don't grow right up into the corner of your gutters. So camellia, include that for its shiny dark green foliage, its uh, robust nature, and of course, its uh, large blossoms and very colorful blossoms. Now, another plant that is Uh, native here that looks quite tropical, to me at least, is the anise. The yellow anise, we call it. Uh, There's a variety of colors. Usually, anise is a uh, kind of bright green leaf, Uh, but there are some varieties like Florida sunshine anise, uh, which is very yellow or very chartreuse at least, very, very limey green in the uh, shade. If they're grown in the sun, they'll be very yellow, sometimes so yellow they bleach out to nearly a white in my opinion. So give it just a bit of afternoon shade and anise will be wonderful for your landscape and definitely will give you that tropical winter oasis look. Uh, One thing about anise that's very helpful for us, especially those of us who have deer problems, is that the deer usually stay away from them because when you crush them, they smell, when you crush the leaves or stems, it smells like anise or licorice. It is a very aromatic plant. Um, Standing beside it, you get a little whiff, but you really have to crush those leaves. And of course, you can imagine that once the deer start chewing on that, it's just probably not too tasty. I have to say, I've never eaten an anise leaf I don't know if I should, I don't plan to, but if it tastes anything like it smells, I could understand why the, uh, the deer don't care for it. So anise, it's a great plant, and, and that bright chartreuse one can really liven up and brighten up a dark space, uh, accenting some of the darker greens and, and, and really working well with that tropical feel, but they're evergreen and they are completely hardy here in the north part of Georgia. Now, here's a plant that we always look forward to, and I probably will talk about it again as we get into winter, but that's called Daphne. Now, Daphne is particularly a winter plant because it blooms in the later part of winter, Uh, but it is a decently small, maybe four feet. I've seen some uh, Daphne get a maybe taller than that in the five foot range. Uh, but the Daphne is that creates this perfectly, nearly perfectly round dome. Uh, the standard color on the leaf is green, but there are some variegated forms that are going to have um, whites and, and maybe different shades of green uh, etched in to the foliage there. And that one is really attractive, especially if you've got a lot of green and you need something with a different color. But no matter if you have a dark green Daphne or if you have a Daphne uh, with variegated foliage, just remember that it's going to bloom in that later part of winter. So if you go out in February and and definitely March uh, to your tropical oasis garden and you have Daphne growing there, you not only get a beautiful flower show, some of them have white flowers, some of 
them have pinky flowers, uh, but you also get a wonderful fragrance. Yes, this is why we grow Daphne, and it's how it, how it gets its name, Daphne Odora, because it is so odorous, but it's a wonderful odor, a sweet smell, and I absolutely love it, and the deer don't seem to eat it. I don't know. If you uh, have a problem with deer eating Daphne, I'd love to know, because I haven't heard of anyone having that problem, uh, but uh, definitely send us a message at NewSouthernGarden.com or check us out on Facebook and Instagram and uh, send us a message there. Oh, and if you have a Daphne, send us a picture. We'd love to see a picture of your Daphne Odora. But Daphne has a shiny leaf uh, and it's sort of the elongated leaf. So it's just a different looking plant and it would fit well into a space that you're cr- trying to create a sense of that tropical garden. All right, so that gives us uh, a good list of shrubs that we can build out and I'll be sending these to my cousin who is trying to create his Aruba garden. And of course, he's situating that at their new house in between his detached garage uh, that's linked to the main house with a breezeway. And walking along that breezeway, you will definitely feel like you're at some tropical resort once he gets it finished. Now, other than plants that get tall like the trees we talked about southern magnolia and the wind palm uh, those kinds of things that give you height we talked about those mid-range plants like the shrubs some of these shrubs could be very low depending on the cultivar or the variety that you choose and then some of them could be quite large they could uh, give you a bit of height and a bit of backdrop if you need to screen something off because all of these are evergreen and they're going to have leaves on them all year long but in addition to these plants we need to work our way down on that tropical uh, tropical-ish forest floor, if you will, and try to pick up plants that are going to stay quite low to the ground and some plants that can creep and crawl and fill in gaps. Because when you're in a tropical space, remember that uh, there's really uh, plants everywhere. There's plants in the air, there's plants on the ground, and there's plants growing on top of plants. So creating, I don't mean to say let's create a, a, a mushy design, but let's create a place that feels like that tropical garden or tropical resort that you may vacation at. So some of these low plants that hug on the ground and maybe crawl on each other, uh, we need to think about some textures. You know, I mentioned earlier that one of the things when you're trying to create a tropical style space is to be sure to use plants that have large leaves and plants that have small leaves. Now, these aren't the only plants that I would recommend or say you have to use because, of course, you may want to incorporate some plants that uh, do something over summer. But if you're only looking like my uh, uh, cousin sort of spurred me to do, um, want to make sure you have a space that looks wonderful all year. These uh, next small plants are going to also be quite evergreen. A, a couple of things to give us texture. So, liriope. Monkey grass. Now, yes, we've used it in the South. We've maybe used it too much. Maybe we have. We see it everywhere, or we used to see it everywhere in the 90s and early 2000s, and I think people got tired of it. But I still think that it has a place in the southern landscape, and it surely would have a place in your tropical winter oasis because they only get a few inches tall, maybe a foot at the most with their bloom, but they have that grass-like, that grass-like texture, very narrow, thin leaves that emerge from the central crown. And then, of course, in the summer, you get a spike of some kind of purple or white shades between purple and white flower. Some people call them blue, but they're really purple. And of course, uh, the fact that they're evergreen 
is going to fit our tropical winter oasis. Now, they're not all just dark green grass-like plants. You've probably seen plenty of those liriope, and you may have seen some variegated liriope. There, of course, is the variegata liriope, which is... Um, more of a limey and, and, and yellow with, with green uh, variegation. But there's an, another one that's new to me for about the past three years or so, and it's called Silver Dragon. And instead of a yellow variegation, it has a white variegation. And from a distance, it looks like silver. And it's got a great name because it fits perfectly with the look of that plant. So be sure to think about Liriope, even though we have used it a lot in the South. I, I don't know if it's overdone or not, but using it in a new way would be would be wonderful. Now, to contrast that texture with, with that, that fine grass-like foliage, let's think about something with big leaves. And of course, I'm going to mention hellebore, because not only is hellebore or uh, Lenten rose, not only is it evergreen, but it also blooms in the winter. And it has big hand-shaped leaves, which you see on tropical plants all the time, like chefaleras or the arboricolias, uh, which are another kind of chefalera. But having that palm-shaped leaf is going to look great nestled on the ground. They're only maybe up to 24 inches with their bloom spike and they do bloom after the new year sometime in late winter so you will have a variety of color and shades uh, shades of uh, reds and whites and limes and pinks and it can look really good so gang we're coming up on a break here but i've got a, a bit of a list here to go with you when we get back from this break we're going to keep talking about creating a tropical winter oasis a garden space that feels like the tropics to keep us warm in the winter uh, but all these plants return year after year. And actually, all these plants I'm giving you today are evergreen. So they look good all year too. So hang on tight. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. <laughs> at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. So again, before the break, we were talking about low plants that we can put that, that maybe they hug the ground, maybe they crawl on top of each other uh, to give you that sort of tropical looking space we've been talking about all morning. And of course, we're trying to create a tropical-ish winter oasis, which means that we're giving a sense of place to a certain space, that it feels tropical. But all the plants that we use are completely hardy and don't have to be brought in to the house or to a greenhouse like true tropical plants do. We've talked about things like windmill palm, which is one of the hardiest palms you'll find, a southern magnolia, distillium, gardenias, fatsias, 
even Daphne Odora, which is that wonderful late winter blooming uh, sweet fragrant plant. And so again, all of these plants are for the winter garden, meaning they give you something, whether it's leaf or whether it's flower, they will have something quite attractive for your space all winter long. So we talked about Liriope, which doesn't bloom in the winter, uh, but it does look good all winter with its evergreen leaves and hellebore with its evergreen leaves as well but they do bloom later in the winter they'll bloom in february march now i want to talk about a couple of grass-like plants because you know i think everywhere probably in the world there's some kind of grasses i saw them in hawaii i saw them in venezuela those tropical locales uh, but these aren't true grasses they're in the grass family uh, they're close cousins if you will that's the carex and the acorus those are two different groups of plants but there are selections of carex and and a chorus that both are evergreen. And many of the ones you'll find in the nurseries and the trade, uh, in your local uh, garden shops, they will be very colorful. Some of them will be variegated with white and green or yellow and green, and some of them will be bright yellow bright yellow and chartreuse is a good color term too and both of these have that grassy light look uh, but they're really not fussy both of them of course can handle very wet soils if you have a wet area uh, but they also of course uh, can handle just your general garden soil and sometimes many of these can handle a drought so wonderful for the south from a, from a, uh, a, a plant's perspective. But from the landscape perspective, these are going to have that grass-like foliage, so wonderful, fine, textured leaves, very thin leaves. Some of the Carexes, I do love one called Everillo Carex, and I'm spelling that C-A-R-E-X, Carex. And anyhow, this Everillo is a bright yellow uh, Carex, and it looks like a head of hair, shaggy hair, because as the leaves grow upwards, they start bending over like a small fountain. Now many of the acorus we find look completely different in their form. Their blades of grass, if you will, their leaves are very vertical. And even though they make great clumps, um, it may take them a while to start arcing over. But both of these look good on, a, on an embankment or a slope because they'll spill over. And of course, uh, they have very fibrous roots, so they're going to help hold the soil on a slope as well. Great for erosion control. Now, how about a vine? Uh, there's plenty of vines, but one that is it's a bit aggressive, okay, but it is a good ground cover. And I like this one. It's called Asiatic Jasmine. It is a true jasmine, even though we don't really get a blossom on it here in the South. It does have um, pointed leaves uh, that are smaller, uh, maybe less than an inch in length, uh, and that they do have vines that run across the top of the ground, uh, but they're evergreen, so they look really good. Again, great for a slope space. It will hold the soil, and, and they grow quite quickly. In the nursery, we'll trim them two times a year as we pot them up, and every time we trim them, we're cutting off about three feet of growth. So that's almost six feet of growth in a year that we'll see on some of these Asiatic jasmines. So use them sparingly, but it is a plant that can just kind of move and sway in between other plants and really help you feel that forest floor, if you will, because trying to create that tropical feeling space, we need to make sure there's not a square inch of exposed soil. 
plants should be everywhere. And some other great plants that you're going to find in a forest floor in a tropical area would be ferns. Now, of course, we're not going to use tropical ferns. We're going to use hardy ferns, ferns that can make it through our winter. So we can leave them, we can plant them, leave them, and they will return year after year. But because we're talking about winter ferns, things that look good over winter, I've got my top three here. Number one is the autumn fern. Now, autumn fern is a very upright fern, maybe reaching three feet in height. Uh, they do start to arc over as the, the as the leaves get bigger and heavier. Uh, but their attraction is their new growth. Anytime they put out new leaves, those uh, fern fronds are very bronze. It is a beautiful bronze color, and it contrasts well with the dark green uh, fronds that are mature down below. Then, of course, the holly fern. The holly fern is probably one of the most tropical-looking ferns. It looks kind of like a holly leaf. The individual leaflets of the holly fern do sort of have some serrations along the edge, kind of like you would expect with a holly leaf. But, of course, uh, they have that feather-like foliage with leaflets going up and down uh, the frond midrib and of course very shiny that is an interesting characteristic for some ferns is shiny leaves and I think that that shininess like we see in the gardenias or we see in the southern magnolias having a bit of that shininess that catches the light as the sun moves east to west throughout the day sparkling back that light right into your eye really helps to create that sense of a tropical space. And lastly, in the fern group, I want to mention Christmas fern. Now, Christmas fern is a native fern. It's one of the first plants, definitely the first fern that I became acquainted with. I didn't know what its name was, but as a kid, I'd wander through the woods that were behind my house. And of course, uh, we're in the Northeast Georgia mountains, so there's a nice steep slope I had to climb down to into this low, low uh, valley where there is a creek running behind the house. And along the creek, what do you find? You find that wonderful Christmas fern. Now, you will know it's a Christmas fern, and I know this now because, well, I had a teacher teach it to me. <laughs> but if you're wandering through the woods and it's wintertime and there's a evergreen fern, it's most likely going to be Christmas fern. But you can double check that by picking off one of the leaflets or the little frondlets, maybe, <laughs> one of the small leaves along the frond of the, of the fern. And as you pick it off, you'll notice that it's in the shape of a stocking. It looks like a boot. And so you've got a toe down at the bottom and you've got kind of the side of, of the boot, the calf of the boot going up, if you will. And it looks like a Christmas stocking. So you will know Christmas fern is Christmas fern by its stocking-like leaflets. So gang, today we have talked about creating a tropical winter oasis. And I want to remind you that we're not using plants that are going to need to be brought in. No, we're talking about using plants. All the plants we've talked about today are plants that are completely hardy here in the South. Now, unlike my cousin, who does want a tropical-looking space, you may not... But regardless, all the plants we've talked about today are appropriate to grow in our zones, and our climates. Some of them uh, have different care than others. But of course, you can incorporate these into some sunny sites. Certain of these can grow in plenty of sun, and some of them can grow into shady sites. So if you're looking... Uh, this winter, not to create a tropical feeling garden uh, that you can escape to and remind yourself of those travels you had in the summer and in warmer weather, uh, you can still use all of these plants to create a wonderful space. So the idea, if tropical is not your thing, don't worry. 
I want to encourage you to start trying to think intentionally about your landscape, trying to decide what is it exactly that I want my space to feel like? What place do I want to take people to when they come visit me? So gang, I hope you've enjoyed these uh, evergreen plants, some that bloom over winter. They'll look good all winter, and maybe you should try some in your landscape. Uh, But if you don't need that tropical look, well, don't worry. Uh, Just go and make your space as unique of a place as possible. Thanks for joining us here on New Southern Garden on WRWH 93.9 FM. My name's Nathan Wilson. Hope you stay well and grow well. See you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.